Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to start our candidate series as we have two special election primaries for the congressional seats of both the 11th Congressional and the 15th Congressional here in the state of Ohio. Uh, Steve Stivers, who was a Republican serving in the 15th Congressional District, retired earlier this year. He has already left office, so the seat is open and unoccupied. But uh, the gentleman that's with me on the phone and those who are uh, vying for that primary or hoping to fill that seat and serve the people of the 15th Congressional District. Also, the 11th Congressional District here in the Cuyahoga County area and in the greater Cleveland area will have guests on next week to talk about that race, as that uh, seat also is empty, as Marsha Fudge, who was the congresswoman, was appointed to, to the Department of HUD by Mr. Biden. And so that seat also is empty, and the people of the 11th Congressional District are also waiting for a representative. But we're going to focus on the 15th Congressional. And uh, with me on the phone is Mike Carey. He is a candidate for the 15th Congressional District. He's no stranger to the area. He's a lifelong resident, and he, he knows the area well. We're looking forward to talking to Mike and his candidacy for the 15th Congressional Republican primary. Again, it's going to be on August the 3rd. So those of you in the 15th Congressional District, and we're going to give you the details of that, of the various counties that are in the 15th Congressional District, and you need to get out on that primary of August 3rd and cast your ballot. Mike, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you, Chris. Well, thank you. I know this is a very busy time for you and uh, an exciting time at the same time. And, of course, yeah. uh, you're no stranger to Washington as you've worked on a number of issues through the years. Our good friend who's been on this program many years uh, is Mr. Murray of Murray Energy. And Mr. Murray was on with Jim Martin and Pat Boone, of course, of the 60-plus association, talking about seniors' issues and uh, energy issues, of course, uh, for families. Mr. Murray, of course, passed away last year, our good friend, and we missed him dearly. You had the privilege of working with him for many years. Tell us about that. You know, I actually had the privilege of meeting Mr. Murray almost 30 years ago. Um, I was uh, I was a young staffer working in uh, the state senate, and uh, he was he was out trying to trying to win support for some of the issues that he was facing. And uh, so I met him the first time, and, the, and he had just gotten out of a hospital. He'd had surgery. And I remember he had he had bandages on his arms, and he came into the office, and he was like, "We gotta, I, you know, I've got to, I got to see the senator." And I didn't know who he was, but I'll tell you, within five minutes, I knew exactly who he was and and what he had done for the area. Well, that's right. He was a hard worker right up until the end. He worked for the working men and women of the coal industry uh, in Ohio and in West Virginia and in uh, throughout the country, and he worked until his dying day. He was that kind of individual. And uh, also talk about Mr. Murray, because here's a guy who retained the pension plans when other companies were finding a way to cut costs. He always thought about them, the American uh, uh, worker, the men and women who actually uh, get up every day, put their pants on, and, and pay the bills in this country, and that's who he fought for. And you fought alongside him with the uh, coal industry. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Mr. Murray was passionate about two things. Um, the first and foremost, he was always passionate about the safety of the miners. Um, but the second thing was he wanted to make sure that they had a they had a livelihood, they were able to provide for their families, and want and he knew that these men and women uh, that were in this industry wanted to live in honor and dignity, provide for their families, take care, make sure their children were able to go to college, and you know that's what he fought for his whole life. And I'll tell you, working alongside him all the years that I did, I I truly learned the, the passion for for the industry. And and one thing about him, and the reason he cared so much about the men and women that worked at the company was because he himself worked in the coal mines for many, many years. So he, he was a, a man that, you know, he practiced what he preached and uh, truly was an honor to work for him. Well, and he actually passed away by a coal miner's disease. The black lung disease uh, eventually took him out. And uh, I'm looking at this great picture a few years ago of you with Mr. Murray and men of the coal industry with their hard hats on, and you're with Mr. Trump in the Oval Office. I yeah. love this picture. Yeah. You know, nothing I, would uh, keep him down. Uh, he has oxygen on, Mr. Murray, but he's got a big smile on his face that day. Tell us about that picture. You know, that was uh, that was one of the many times that uh, Mr. Murray was in the Oval Office, but this was a very special time because we had some of our coal miners with us at uh, that time, and, and we were doing a... Um, we were doing kind of a, a, a bill signing type of deal, and the president just kind of looked up and he says to all the all, all the people that you know, all the coal miners we have, he says, "How many people have ever been in the Oval Office?" And you know, of course, we all looked around, and he's like, "Come on back, guys!" And uh, and he just he was so gracious and with his time and talking to the miners and getting pictures and and so on and so forth. I'll tell you, it was a truly a great day and. You know, Mr. Murray did have the, the smaller oxygen tank on at that time, but, but you're right. I mean, nothing stopped Mr. Murray, just like nothing stops the president of the United States, Donald Trump. That's right, Mike. And, you know, I know that if you worked along Mr. Murray, you are a hard worker because he kept a, a skeleton staff, uh, and he, he required oh, a lot of those who worked with him, but they were hard workers like he were, and that's, that's how you are. No, I tell you, well, and I appreciate that. I, if Mr. Murray was one of these individuals, just like President Trump, that really understood what 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 makes this country what makes this country great. And and uh, you know, and I think when when we first met with Mr. Trump in 2016, it was Mr. Murray, myself, and our our uh, our number two at the company, who's now running the company, his his nephew Rob Moore. But but we had the opportunity to to sit with um, at that time candidate Trump. And, you know, just talk about ideas and the, the issues that were affecting the country. And I, and I will tell you, it was uh, probably one of the most refreshing meetings I'd ever been in with a political candidate. And I was I, I walked out of there and I said to Mr. Murray, this is the person that we have to support. And surely enough, we, we did. And we had a great working relationship with him for many, many years. We're talking with Mike Carey. He is a candidate for the Republican primary in the 15th Congressional District. The 15th District is an open seat currently. It's a special primary. August 3rd, uh, you need to cast your ballot. There is early voting, but I know that most of our listeners are traditionalists. They'll probably vote on Election Day. That would be Tuesday, August 3rd. So if you're in Clinton County and Pickaway County and Fairfield and Perry and Morgan and Athens and uh, Hocking County, and parts of Vinton and parts of Fayette County, and of course Franklin County, parts of Franklin County, you are in the 15th Congressional District. Did I leave out any county there, Mike? Yeah, there's so, there's so many of them, <laughs> and there's parts of parts of Fayette are also in it. 
Um, it is a it is a very large district. We actually Madison. right now have two county. Yeah, Madison County. We have two county fairs going on. I was we were at the Madison County Fair. There's a Clinton County Fair. I'm headed to right now. Um, just great people in this district, and 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 I'll tell you, it, it's uh, I was born in Clinton County. I uh, grew up on a farm just outside the small town of Sabina, and um, and of course now I live in inner city Columbus. But uh, I tell you, it's just a great district with some great people, and I, I'm I'm working hard to earn their votes. So let's talk about your candidacy. This is a kind of a short run special primary. Uh, there are 11th uh, candidates, I believe, on the Republican side. So. Lots of folks have jumped into this uh, race. Uh, again, Steve Stivers has retired, and it's an open seat. It's an important seat, uh, the 15th Congressional District, of course, in Ohio, and every seat counts right now in Congress. Uh, and as a Republican, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. The Democrats hold the House, the Senate, and the presidency, but they only hold the House by about five seats right now, give or take. Uh, how important is this 15th Congressional District in this seat, Mike? Hey, this, this seat is absolutely important because what this, what this will do will set the tone for 2022. And look, I think we're going to take back the House in 2022. Um, but this is, a, you know, I look at this as the, kind of the precursor to the 2022 race because this is a special for the, obviously, in the next, uh, you know, it, it, the election will be held on, in November but uh, for the race. But, you know, you will be sworn in right after you, you know, you win that vote. So, uh, you know, it's uh, you become a red-shirted freshman, so to speak, when when you're serving as a member of Congress. But this seat is truly important. It is a Republican seat, and uh, and I, and this is an opportunity for us to to really get a conservative person uh, to to lead the charge for the fifth congressional district. So, tell us about some of the issues. Obviously, you're for the Second Amendment. You know, you're pro-life. Yeah. Uh, yep. What's your views on immigration now that we see a literal invasion going on right now down at the southern border? President Trump, when he came to office in 2016, said we're going to build a wall. Uh, we would like to invite people in, but we want to invite them in. We don't want them to steal away in the night. And for four years, right. he fought for uh, tough immigration and border security. That is all gone now with the Biden administration. Your thoughts? Well, listen, I mean, you, you, you said it. It's an invasion. And uh, and I don't think that uh, this president or, you know, the, the, the Democrats in the House and the Senate really want to fix the problem. I mean, they, they, they want everybody to just come in. They want to take over. And, and and that's just it's blatantly wrong. And it's not just the fact that we, we got to have legal immigration. We, we understand that. But what's happening at the border? And this is what President Trump saw and he understood is that it's a humanitarian crisis. And, and building the wall doesn't mean that we're not good neighbors. It means that we're protecting the sovereignty of this nation. But also what it does is it makes sure that we don't get those illegal drugs because that's what's coming across the border, too. And we stop the illegal drugs that are finding their way into our streets. I mean, I go to town to town to town across this district, and we've got a real drug problem in this country, and we've got to stop it. And building the wall will do as much for stopping this illegal immigration as it will stop the drugs. And so I supported what President Trump did. And look, you couldn't even get this administration down there until President Trump said, hey, I'm going to go with Governor Abbott, and we're going to go to the wall. Well, that's right. And uh, President Trump did uh, start to construct the wall, and uh, lots of progress was being made. I think that he and many of his supporters, especially in this state, uh, he won this state by eight percentage points, maybe even greater. Uh, and uh, Ohioans were stunned to see that the president didn't win a second 
uh, term of office. Of course, there's audits going on now in Arizona, possibly right. uh, uh, both in Pennsylvania and in and Georgia. So some nefarious activity took place with uh, the election. There's no doubt about that. How widespread it was is yet to be determined. But, you know, a great disappointment that President Trump didn't get a second term, at least uh, in 2020. He's talking about possibly running in 2024. But uh, the Trump agenda is very much alive in candidates like you. Explain. Well, I'll tell you, this, it, with this race, I mean, I've had a very successful career, as you know. Um, I had the opportunity to work for the nation's largest coal company, independent coal company. And, um, and I've, I've had a front row seat to what, what I've seen as the destruction of this industry. And I've had to push back on these left-wing liberals for years, 25 years. I mean, when, when uh, President Obama came in, we were mining 1.2 billion tons of coal. We're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 450 million tons. I mean, that is the destruction of an American industry. And what I saw happen after this last election, and there is no doubt about it, we need to have voter integrity in this country. I mean, you, you, there's nothing, there should be absolutely nothing controversial about having to show your ID, about having to request an absentee ballot. This ballot harvest, harvesting and everything that went on this past election, we've got to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But what I saw happen after the election with Joe Biden's agenda and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer as his two biggest cheerleaders, I mean, you're seeing it today with what they're negotiating today. I, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I, I really need to think about stepping aside from, from my career and, and truly being a servant of the people and, and going to, to Congress to help fix this problem. And then, you know, it, it, with, with a lot of, you know, a lot of things happened along the way. And all of a sudden, Steve decided that he was going to resign and, and take, a, take another position with the chamber. And it, it moved up the time frame. And, and I'll tell you, I couldn't be more excited about it. I can't wait to get to Congress and fight on behalf of the men and women of this 15th congressional district. I believe what we did in 1994 with the contract of America, we need to do that again. We need to push for term limits. We need to make sure that we have a balanced budget. We need to tackle all these issues. We need to make sure that we stop this radical spending that we see taking place, which causes, which is causing the inflation. And we've got to definitely, like we just talked about just a minute ago, we've got to finish the wall. These are very simple things, and they're non-controversial. And make sure that we have voter integrity. I mean, if you got to show your driver's license to get a fishing license, why can't you show up when you're voting? Mm, that's exactly right. We're talking with Mike Carey, and his website is carryforcongress.com. Again, that's carryforcongress.com. Dot com. The special election is August 3rd. That's just 19 days from now. And that's a special election, again, in the 15th Congressional District. If you have family and friends there, you live there, it's time to get out and vote. Again, August the 3rd makes a determination. It is the primary. And Mike is a Republican running for the uh, congressional seat of the uh, 15th Congressional District. Mike, along the lines of what we talked about with the southern border being so deadly and drugs pouring in by the cartels over the border, I'm reading an article by Senator Portman. I referenced this on the program last week. 5,400 pounds of fentanyl, enough to kill 1.2 yeah. billion people, entered the popu uh, entered the southern border, was seized by it. And that's just what they seized. I mean, like you said, people in your district are suffering with drug addiction, and this is synthetic drugs of fentanyl and worse. And it, it's insidious. And, and quite honestly, a lot of people are saying that, you know, a lot of this is being manufactured in China. How is it getting over the yes, southern sir. borders? But, well, by the Mexican cartels and very 
uh, evil people, quite honestly, bringing it into this country and uh, creating uh, such a terrible effect on our population. Your thoughts? No, well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. I mean, this is this is a problem that we've seen. And again, when you have Democrats that don't want to address the issue, um, and, and you have a president that not only is weak on China, but literally wants to tra- transform our economy so that we become so dependent upon China. Yeah, I, you, you talk about the fentanyl coming across the border, but look what he's doing right here at home, where he's trying to make sure that we are completely fossil fuel free by 2035. Now, listen, I, you know, what are you going to rely on? You're going to rely on the materials that are coming from China to build the windmills and, 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 the, and, and the material coming from China, the rare earth, because the Democrats won't let you mine rare earth materials in the, in the United States. So you rely heavily reliant on those materials for these lithium batteries. I mean, it is truly, it is almost like, and this is what I said earlier in the broadcast. I mean, I, I see what they did to the industry that I truly love and have, have been an honor to serve for the last 25 years. I see them now trying to do that to every single, uh, every single issue in America. I mean, whether it's energy, whether it's immigration, well, let's, let's talk about education. I mean, the, the, the people in this administration and the teachers unions, what they want to push back on this. They, they, they want to create this culture with, with critical race theory, mandating that it be t- taught in schools. And then these unions I have, have millions and millions of dollars to defend teachers who want to push against parents. And that is just absolutely wrong. And we need to do better than that. And we need to have a conservative in Washington who's willing in the 15th district, who's willing to stand up to those teacher unions and say, we're not going to do that. We're going to make sure that there is no federal funding going into any institution that requires critical race theory be part of the agenda. Parents right now are fighting this on the local level. I've spoken to uh, community groups in your district that uh, feel the same way that you do about this, and they are talking to school board members and wondering why critical race theory, a very divisive uh, uh, lecture series coming into the classroom by way of social studies or English literature, and uh, under the guise of those studies, these, the Liberal Teachers Union is pushing critical race theory, which really divides people. It is not what Dr. Martin Luther King stated in his I Have a Dream right. speech. I look for a day when my children will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. You can't even hear those words being recounted in the classroom these days because they're pushing a very divisive Marxist agenda in critical race theory. Your thoughts? No, well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, and just, to, just to add on to that, uh, and I think it's important because you know, there's wonderful groups across this district that are taking their own resources. I just recently donated to one that they take children and they teach them. It's, it's a program where they teach them the Constitution. Now, I, you know, I think if you want to spend, uh, you know, spend some time in the classrooms learning about what made this country great, study the Constitution. You know, I carry a copy with me wherever I go and I give a speech. And I think, you know, instead of focusing on critical race theory, which divides us, talk about the Constitution. Talk about everything that was done to make this country the greatest country in the free world. I mean, when you see protests across the across the world, whether the protests are in China, whether they're in um, any country that 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 pushes back on uh, on freedoms, the, the groups that they carry the American flag. They're, that is a symbol of freedom and hope for the world. And 
it, it, we're just not seeing that from from a lot of the folks that are that are that are teaching our children. We got to do a better job of that. But I will tell you, to your listeners, what I would most important thing that you can do is get involved. And you know, there are many seats that are up for school board, and I would implore anybody just to to to, to go to those those school board meetings to listen to the school board if they'll let you. But but you know, and and possibly run for school board because we've got to make we've got to make sure that our children are better than better have a better future than than we have and and we can't do that when we're teaching us to divide our nation we're talking with mike carey again a candidate for the 15th congressional district in the special primary of august uh 3rd and what i like about your website mike is i go down to the bottom and i'm seeing contact uh the campaign you can have the fillable form which most people do but I like that there's a phone number there, and I think that that's great because I go to a lot of these websites, and you can't find a, a phone number anymore to call somebody. And I like that there's a, a phone number there and an email that I can contact your campaign and contact you directly. I like that. Your thoughts? Well, let me, let, let me, let me just tell you, uh, you know, I just turned 50 this year. And, you know, a lot of people don't think that's old, but uh, there's a lot of people to do. And, and I am like you. I, I like to be able to go to a website and see whether it's – I'd like to see a phone number because I'd like to be able to talk to somebody. Um, but I'll tell you, just get a hold of us. The, the online, we wanted to make it as easy as possible. Um, love to have people involved. I mean, we, the most important thing, though, is, is to vote um, on August 3rd. I mean, this is a odd time. A lot of people are on vacation. A lot of people are doing a lot of other things right now. But you know, in 21 days, I believe it is. We've we've got to we've got to make sure these people go to the their polling places. And early voting has started. So you know, listen, um, we did a teletown hall with Corey Lewandowski, which was President Trump's campaign manager. Um, and as and as your listeners probably know by now, you know, President Trump has endorsed me for this race. Um, so it's going to be a bellwether race to make sure that an America first candidate gets over the finish line. So anybody that uh, is having any issues, get a hold of us. We'll work with you because we've got to get the vote out on August 3rd. Well, Mike, thanks for being my guest today and best wishes to you on your candidacy. Again, that's uh, Mike Carey and the website is CareyForCongress.com. Also wanted to. So, Mike, thank you for being my guest. Today. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Chris. Look forward to talking with you again. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. And so also the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide will be on our website. You want to go to OhioCA.org or just search Ohio Christian Alliance, and we'll have a voter guide up for the August 3rd special primary. That's uh, obviously the 11th district and the 15th congressional district. And if you have family and friends in the 15th, you need to encourage them to get out and vote on August 3rd for the Congressional Special Primary of the 15th Congressional District. And again, that's uh, all the counties there in uh, south-central Ohio. And we'll have a map of the Congressional District on our website as well. That's ohioca.org, and the voter guide will be there. We do appreciate that uh, Mike Carey filled out this candidate survey, letting us know where he stands on the issues. And that's what we really appreciate at the Ohio Christian Alliance. Thanks for listening today. God bless you. And visit the website and get informed of where the candidates stand on important issues of life, faith, and freedom. God bless you.
Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue the following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. damage assessment, and we're going to continue with our number two in a series on COVID-19 and the damage assessment, the fallout of what actually has happened uh, this last year. And today we're going to focus on addiction, and we're going to talk about opiate addiction and alcoholism and depression on this program. 
And, of course, there have been numerous articles that have been talking about a widespread uh, type of anxiety and depression that is actually out there in uh, the culture right now. And people who really have not gotten the kind of help that they need, and we're going to focus on uh, the opiate addiction crisis that is obviously skyrocketing. We the, the gains we were making, the gains were all wiped out during the COVID shutdown. With me on the phone is someone who can talk about this in a very expertise way, and that's uh, Pastor Greg Delaney, coordinator of the Woodhaven Recovery of Dayton, Ohio. Pastor Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Chris. It's an honor to be here with you today. Thanks so much. Well, brother, it's good to hear your voice, and, you know, this has been a difficult year, I know, for so many people, and, you know, personally, you know, you know, even in my life where uh, my mom passed away, she actually died of COVID in a nursing home. Uh, you know, our family was, uh, you know, we recovered from uh, COVID. There was like 14 members of our mem- uh, family right after the funeral, actually, in December, I just happened to fall that way, and so it was a very difficult Christmas season, and, you know, lots of people, um, you know, family members, actually, we lost family members this last year, not necessarily from COVID, but sometimes just the stress of life. Some of the elderly give up, you know, there's there's the will to live, and <laughs> and sometimes uh, they, they can sense, even when they may have um, increased age and dementia and maybe already have some problems. And they can tell that there's stress in the general society and even with family members and all with the COVID shutdown. And some folks kind of gave up. And we so we lost some family members. People had health issues. I've lost personal friends and family this last year. So, you know, the loss is very real and acutely aware, I think, and talked to a lot of people who have experienced the same kind of things. I know that you went through some difficulties as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I, I want to first say that I'm so sorry uh, for all that that, happened in your family and and I'm, I'm glad that you came out on the other side of your illness and uh but i know it you know after we had talked i knew it's been a rough season for you and but i know your faith is strong and i know that uh you came out on the other side uh with purpose and i know that part of what we're talking about today is to you know just hopefully give some hope that we are hopefully on the other side of this but uh yeah i mean you asked me about uh my journey um 2020 was really uh, Chris, to, to be a banner year for some of the work that we do. Um, we had, had plans to speak at a couple of uh, national conversations and national conferences about engaging the church uh, in this uh, effort. Uh, we were going to be in Baltimore and Anaheim and some other places and all that obviously went away. And we ended up having to do that, you know, virtually. But on, on a personal level, I I found myself in July um you know, I actually had preached a sermon at my church on interdependence, and uh, I really have to tell you that I don't know if I believed it. Um, went to a very dark season, didn't feel like I was being very effective in the work that we were doing, and really feeling pulled by my own substance use disorder um, again, and um, then, then encountered some health issues of my own, not COVID-related, spent some time in the hospital at the first of this year. But I can say again, as I mentioned, God is faithful, and uh, he's he used that time of challenge for me as a a time of learning and a time of finding my my purpose again and being kind of called back into the space and um and since then uh we're really starting to see i think momentum in the right direction when it comes to finding ways to engage leaders of faith and others into helping people who clearly not just 
during COVID, but prior to COVID, that still struggle with substance use disorder, uh, mental health challenges, depression, anxiety, et cetera. Well, that's right. And, and brother, you're so needed in the work, and I'm so glad that the Lord re-energized you. And, and look, we share that transparently with this audience so that they know that, hey, all of us go through difficulties and trials, and it's Christ who sees us through, and that's the message we want to give in this broadcast. We want to talk about the hope that lies before us. Um, I'm reading from The Atlantic. This is a recent article. It talked about the mental health crisis of the pandemic is real. A staggering four in ten adults have reported symptoms of anxiety and depression, a quadrupling of the pre-pandemic rate. More than one in four mothers reported that the pandemic has had a major impact on their mental health. 24% of parents have reported being diagnosed with a mental health disorder since the start of the pandemic. And, you know, here's another article. The CDC reported a 51% increase in suicide attempts. Now, we obtained the suicide numbers from the Department of Health of Ohio. And, of course, Ohio, unfortunately, pre-pandemic was growing in the rate and numbers of suicide. Now, the 2020 numbers are actually down a little bit from 2019. That's good. Why that is, you know, most people would assume that the numbers would be Higher. Well, they were in some counties, okay? Some rural counties actually ex- uh, experienced a, a great, uh, unfortunately, increase in suicide rates in some rural counties. But overall, Ohio, it's been down a little bit. Now, these aren't the final numbers, and it may prove that the numbers are slightly higher than 2019. But quite honestly, the 2018 rate of suicide in Ohio actually got national attention. So, we're not in a good place in Ohio. We need to reach those people who are the forgotten and uh, disconnected, maybe from church or maybe from family, even in your own neighborhood, somebody that seems isolated. This is an opportunity. What we're sharing with you about is reaching out to those, rescuing the perishing, and touching people that may be isolated from others, because the worst thing is to be isolated in all this. So Here's a number from the CDC. So a 51% increase in suicide attempts by adolescent girls during the pandemic. You know, young ladies, of course, they're they're very social type folks, okay? And and all the things that young ladies do. In fact, you know, one example is, and someone always pointed this out to me, girls always go to the bathroom together. Guys don't do that, okay? So young girls <laughs> actually do things together, right, where guys don't. And so... You could just imagine the pandemic and the shutdown and at home and no school and no activities, uh, no getting together, no socializing really had a terrible effect on our adolescent uh, teenagers. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think some of those numbers that you share, there, there's some consistency in other communities as well. I know you, you provided a, a national number. I was just recently in Atlanta, Georgia, doing a conference and, uh, you know, similar conversations with our friends down there in, in Atlanta. The, the week prior, I was in Nevada and, and had some similar conversations. And one of my dear friends in this space is a, is a fellow named Dr. Monty Burks. He leads the, the faith-based initiatives for the state of Tennessee. And we're, we're actually doing some work in collaboration to try and to create a certification program for churches, uh, really to help them minister uh, more effectively and one of the things that we did during that training with our friends from Nevada that we gleaned from Tennessee was Tennessee was seeing this intensely high increase in, of folks who were calling the, you know, the mental health line and the suicide prevention line in their state. 
And so one of the things that, that they're doing uh, in their congregational community as well as in their community are providing something called question, persuade, refer training. And it really is to bring awareness uh, at a community level and, and in their case at a church level, uh, training on how to uh, address someone that you may think is, uh, you know, considering uh, completing suicide or, you know, and, and has, has and what signs to look for and really how to have the conversation. Because COVID most certainly uh, has has validated something that you and I have known to be true for a long time, that, you know, the Lord built us from community, you know, for community uh, from the very beginning of time. You know, he looked and he, he saw that Adam wasn't complete because Adam was alone. And, and so, you know, it brought him a companion. And from that very start, the, the importance of being connected has never, you know, has always been, you know, a priority for all of us. And, and the pandemic provided, you know, this disconnection and this isolation. And so, you know, not knowing really what to do with that and seeing those numbers go up where that, that turned to desperation and then people, you know, seeking out and looking for help through the lines or the text lines, or we have a warm line here in Ohio that was and continues to be heavily used for, for uh, mental health challenges. And so what we're, what we're seeing is that not only do we need to create awareness about reaching out to our loved ones, finding ways to create connection, but really doing that in a way that, that, that there's some evidence behind it, that there's some real training, there's a real uh, way to do that. And then also from us as faith leaders and lay leaders, you know, having enough knowledge to know, hey, if we, if we are able to start this conversation, we need to know where those resources are in our local community so that we can, you know, connect, uh, you know, the, the folks that we are intersecting with to the appropriate resource. And then while they're there, continue to do what we do well, and that's continue to pray for them and continue to offer safe community for them as they work through uh, the challenges, whether they're pandemic, um, you know, pandemic created or, or if they were laying there dormant and the pandemic kind of ignited them or if, they, if they've been there for a long time. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. 
what we want to say at this point, if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself that, you know, I have been experiencing depression, uh, first of all, if you're connected with a local church, reach out to your pastor. Let someone uh, or a confidant within your church body know about, you know, uh, some of the sadness or depression that you've been experiencing, and reach out to someone. Let them know that. Also a family member. Uh, but is there a hotline, Pastor, that we can direct people to if they don't have those kinds of uh, resources? Yeah, I always encourage people to go to the Ohio Mental Health and Addiction Services webpage. Um, it's O-H-O-H-M-A-S. If you Google that, you can find it. On that webpage is every mental health, addiction, suicide prevention, uh, drug prevention information for the entire state of Ohio. Um, the other, and then that will also give you access to your local community mental health and addiction services resources. In the state of Ohio, we have 88 counties. Um, we actually have an association that oversees all of our behavioral health authorities. And of those 88 counties, we have 55 behavioral health authorities that, that are sprinkled throughout the state. And they have the, the, the charge of uh, contracting with and partnering with uh, service providers that you know, can be uh, leveraged in, in the community for, for all of these things. And, uh, and they, um, they have really beefed up their, um, their resources, their, their, um, their solutions during the COVID time, uh, you know, giving access, even if it's just a phone call, if it's a, if it's a FaceTime opportunity, a telehealth opportunity, um, you know, COVID pressed us into being creative and how to create connection. And so if there is a positive that would come out of this, it's some of that. It's, it's, we've created new ways of accessibility, but you can get all the information about where the resources are in the state and locally at the OHMAS website. Very good. I want to turn a corner here because one of the things that happened during COVID, of course, when restaurants and uh, venues were shut down, there was all entertainment uh, venues were suspended. Uh, uh, you know, people weren't going out. Uh, one of the things they were doing, they were visiting the liquor store. And liquor sales uh, through, you know, just skyrocketed in the state, but not just here, but across the country. It also indicates that, uh, you know, abuse of drugs with the opiates uh, also increased. And you and I, we've talked on this program. In the last few years, there was actually progress being made because Ohio was nationally registered as one of the uh, states that had one of the worst records of opiate uh, deaths and addiction. And we started to make some progress partly through some of the great work that you and your colleagues do in recovery programs. Unfortunately, COVID came at the worst time. Uh, it's never good a time for you know a pandemic of this sort, but the shutdown happened, and uh, people were just fell into a depression. They turned to alcohol. They turned to drugs. Uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that we want to talk about here. I want to read from an editorial from Senator Portman, who's done so much work on this on the federal level. He says the latest data on opiate crisis shows how the COVID-19 pandemic reversed the progress America was making in decreasing drug overdose deaths. More than 90,000 Americans died of overdoses between September 2019 and September 2020 last year. Drug overdose deaths rose by more than 27% in New York and more than 24% in Ohio. Based on current trends, we expect 2021 to be as bad, if not worse. Not a good prognosis, uh, Pastor, and what are we going to do about it? 
Well, you know, sadly, it it is a little bit to be expected. If you know the way that the recovery community works, um, you know, it is based on community. Uh, in fact, there are many that would make the statement that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, uh, that the opposite of addiction is connection or the opposite of addiction is relationship. And quoting my, my friend I mentioned before, Dr. Burks from Tennessee, you know, when he was on the dais with President Trump in 2018 at the RX Summit, you know, he reiterated how important, you know, these relationships that we have with each other, uh, folks that are in recovery with us, as well as, you know, those safe spaces and with counselors and and other, you know, service providers. And so it's not, it's not, surprising that we've had this increase. It is sad. And and I know Senator Portman's article there quoted the September to September number. I was just recently on a call with our uh, with a group from NIDA, which is the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Um, and they actually came out with the November to November number, and it was 92,000. And so that is, you know, clearly trending in the wrong direction. Uh, the report that I saw indicated that there wasn't a state that was unscathed. Uh, in this increase, that everybody had experienced an increase. Uh, one of the reports that I had seen is that Ohio was in the in the low 30s in terms of its ranking, in terms of its percentage of increase. Folks like Louisiana really took uh, took a hit. Um, but when we think about just the way that people recover, uh, they recover in community. And when you know the the shutdowns took place and they were unable to gather. Uh, really created some challenges uh, for everybody. And, and what was interesting, in fact, I was just doing a, a training before I hopped on here with you that we're doing for helping families navigate addiction. It's in conjunction with Governor DeWine's office and our friends from Addiction Policy Forum in Washington, D.C. And part of that training, uh, we were discussing the impact of, of COVID in terms of people who had long histories of recovery uh, who were, you know, years of, of sobriety and, and uh, abstinence from drug and alcohol use, only to fall into reoccurrence and relapse, um, you know, due to the isolation. And the other part that's trending and leading to some of that, you know, number, Chris, is, is quite frankly, the, 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 the drugs themselves are, are continuing to evolve. You know, you and I know that this is being orchestrated by the enemy. Uh, and so he's continuing to continuing to evolve. And so what we're seeing is a move away, you know, from what we might have seen in 15 and 16 of, of people, you know, using black tar heroin. And it's moving toward much more potent uh, poly substances to where the, the drug of fentanyl is rarely not in everything. So it's in cocaine. It's in, you know, uh, you know, it's it's being pressed into pills that are being, you know, marketed as Xanax and they're really fentanyl pills. In fact, I just lost a dear friend. Uh, his name was Dustin. We lost him this week uh, to something similar to that. And so, you know, you, you put all, you put all of this together, you've got kind of a perfect storm of more potency, isolation, a lack of being able to stay accountable and be with community. And now, you know, you're seeing the, the, the fallout from that. And that is those overdose numbers you know, going into places that, that clearly we never thought they'd go, especially when we were trending, as you mentioned, such in the right direction. The drug cartels are having a heyday now with an open border. The senator points that out. That cannot be ignored at this point. A U.S. Customs and Border Protection shows a massive increase in seizures of fentanyl at the border. 
CBP has uh, seized more than 600 pounds of deadly fentanyl every month for the last 12 months. Uh, in the last six months alone, it has seized 5,400 pounds of fentanyl, enough to kill 1.2 billion people or the entire population of the United States more than three times over. Pastor, we have a crisis on the border, and this is feeding the addiction problems in this country. And as you just stated, it's going to a more uh, synthetic style that is much more potent. And um, we got to give people hope, and we got to reach them, folks. If you're listening to this program, you're a Christian. You first of all, you need to be praying. You need to be praying for our communities. You need to be praying for the people in your church, your neighborhood. You need to be praying for the people of our state and for those who are struggling uh, with addictions and that they get the help that they need. And if you know of someone who is struggling with addiction, you need to take them by the hand, show concern and care, and get them linked up with people that can help them. Pastor, your thoughts? Yes, and I I think you you hit it right on the money, Chris, is that, you know, the, the folks who are on the nefarious side of this business are creative. Um... You know, it's billions and billions of dollars. Um, so that part's not going to stop. And, and so we need to be cognizant and aware and having programs like this just to, you know, really share the, the facts with people is so important. But to your point about being accessible and, and there to help someone, both in prayer, but also educating yourself on what substance use disorder really is. We, we've spent far too much time uh, in our communities, stigmatizing those that are dealing with this uh, challenge, and it is a medical condition. Uh, the, the church often has always viewed this as, as strictly a, a moral failing and an issue of, of behavior, and it's not. And so in, in order for me to be effective at, at helping someone, I need to know what it is and what it isn't. And the good news is, is that yes, addiction happens, but recovery is possible, and recovery is happening you know, still today, even with all of the bad news that we're sharing, you know, it's been estimated that we have about 20 million people in the United States who are uh, suffering from substance use disorder, but we have 23 million that are in recovery. Amen. And so there is a, there's a group of people out there that have been there, uh, have been through it, that are great resources. But the important part is, is to Chris's point is how do we lead with compassion? and not with judgment. And I think we do that by having an understanding that uh, the folks that are dealing with this are hurting. It's likely that there's been something that has happened in their life that has pushed them to seeking relief. Uh, Dr. Gabor Mahdi makes an interesting point when he says addiction is a, de- is a person's desperate attempt to solve a problem. And often that problem is pain, loss of connection, trauma in their life. And I think as the church, We really have an obligation because we have the answer to pain. We can talk to people about the hope that is Jesus Christ, but at the same time, we need to understand what's going on in that pain and and also be able to connect them to the appropriate resources to deal with that substance use challenge and all the while continuing to come alongside them, being compassionate without judgment. Thank you, Pastor. That's Pastor Greg Delaney, again, of Woodhaven Recovery Center of Dayton, Ohio. Pastor, thank you for being my guest today. Great program. Thank you. My pleasure, Chris. Anytime. Thank you. God bless you. And thank you for listening. God bless you, buddy. We hope it's been a blessing. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. 
Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.